0: Hi, I am Chitra. I am Madhavi. I am Jyoti. I am Padmaja. Together we are your hosts on the Edge Podcast.
1: We bring you stories and experiences from our experiments around learning,
0: marketing and design. These are stories of people, technology and people interacting through technology
1: of what we see, create and recommend. <laughs> as any cancer survivor will tell you negativity bias is a thing the tendency of the human mind to dwell on the bad stuff the past miseries and failures negative experiences humiliations and morbid milestones is a very real notion when not controlled or accounted for it can overwhelm people designs organizations and movements hi i'm padmaja and today we have chitra gurjar the CEO of Adeptic Labs, here to talk to us and tell us all about negativity bias. Hi, Chitra. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Padpaja. That was one of the finest segues I've seen into starting a podcast. It's left me very positive and I'd say positively biased. Thank
1: you, Chitra. That's very, very heartening to hear. So, uh, Chitra, let's get right into it. So you're on a hike uh, in your favorite hiking spot. Uh, beautiful scenery, uh, springtime, you know, chirp of birds. And a snake comes out of the uh, bushes and slithers across the hiking path. What would you remember more?
0: And why? I, I think this is a great question in the first place. And I love the fact that you've hit upon one of uh, the things I love to do which is actually go on long hikes. But the flip side to that is you've asked this question to somebody who has a strong bias for looking at <laughs> the positive side of things. But that said, think I think... of yourself as the average person. Jito. Yes. And and if I just see what's happened to us on treks, I think people are more likely to remember the snake yes. than all the other aspects of it. And it it takes me back to a time when... I went on this trek about a year ago Mm -hmm. and there were about eight of us Mm -hmm. and we lost our way. Mm -hmm. While we ultimately found it, it was about probably 45 minutes by the time we found our way back. But all people remembered was that it delayed them. Uh, We were overall late to get back and that we were stuck in traffic, and there was pelting rain thereafter. But I also saw that while the majority of people remembered that, there were a few that also took away the entire experience of the trek. But that's negativity bias for you, isn't it? Despite yes. all the good that's there, we only remember the bad stuff.
1: But why, why does this happen, Chitra? Why do humans, why do we tend to remember the negative more than the positive? Is there a scientific reason for it, do you think? Or anything you have come across in your experience?
0: So I am only going to narrate what I have read and what I have known is that I think for thousands of years our uh, evolution prepared us for danger. Mm -hmm. It's probably only been in the last 100 years or so that we have lived in far more safer environments. Mm -hmm. So that that attunement to... Danger and the fact that our brains are scanning the environment every one eighth of a second, trying to sense danger, has put us in this predicament. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, even if you take the pandemic, right? There, there was a lot of grim news that was coming out every day. And what struck me was, you know, in conversations with volunteer groups, I was a volunteer myself. Mm and doctors and uh, administrative people on the ground, there was a lot of good things that were happening in the midst of it which seemed to be completely swept under the carpet. In fact, people didn't even want to acknowledge if you tried to say something that was going well during that time. It was almost you were shunned if you were trying to say something positive in the situation. So I think it goes back to the fact that we as human beings respond to, we tend to go towards negative news. Sure. I remember a time in my corporate life when uh, acquisitions happen, layoffs happen. We, we know that all that is part of the corporate work scene. Uh, and every time something like that was impending, you know, a pall of gloom and doom would descend on everybody. Mm -hmm. Although, I noticed this, you know, a lot of people had found ways of asking themselves questions like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? If this is a situation that's going to affect me, I better find my way out of here or make alternate plans. The vast majority of people have the capacity to do that thinking, in my opinion, in my experience. However, it was almost like what I had said earlier. If you showed that there can be a positive outlook, despite what the circumstances uh, can be, and we have all these you know, people who have said that you can't change your external circumstances, you can only change your attitude to them. Keeping even that in mind, people just veered towards the... Worst possible outcomes, the worst possible news, and so on. So I think we as human beings have are hardwired mm-hmm. for a negativity bias. Uh,
1: very true, uh, Chitra. In my experience too, uh, this um, I guess it's called the uh, fight or flight response mm-hmm. uh, that leads to uh, you know adrenaline in our bloodstream and the uh, the stress that accompanies it has helped us uh, survive. Uh, historically as uh, you know bipeds walking across a very dangerous landscape in the forest. Uh, but now in uh, modern day uh, societies, we don't need so much adrenaline. we don't need the cortisol that accompanies it. and we get into all these uh, stresses and strains because of the negativity bias. I would like to uh, dwell upon that just a little bit before I go into the corporate situations or the technology situations that you uh, mentioned. I know that uh, you have a background as a coach, as a yoga exponent for uh, quite a few years. How does one combat a negativity bias in their personal lives? And how does one uh, tamp down that stress uh, that uh, almost seems to come along with modern-day living and uh, lead a harmonious life with some uh, sort of balance between the mind and the body. Tips for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I think, that, I think there's a lot that we can do. And today, especially the stressors are, I feel there is information overload. Mm-hmm. There's also a cognitive overload right. on us. And we just don't have the capacity to absorb that much, process it and either take a decision or whatever the case may be and we tend to get very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think my years of uh, practice and learning with various people not only yoga but I always recall what a previous colleague used to say and and a lot of wise people have said this Mm -hmm. why are we always toggling between the past and the future Mm -hmm. and we're not present So if it's the past, then we are anxious. What if, what if, what if? Mm -hmm. If it's about the future, it's again, what if, what if, what if? So between worry and anxiety, we're constantly toggling. And very often, we just forget to be in the moment. So one of the things that I have learned to practice over the years uh, and what these various practices have taught me is if there are so many things that are happening at some point in time in life, around you and to you just be in the moment so it could be as simple as if you wake up in the morning and if you're brushing your teeth you know wholeheartedly just brush your teeth and then move on to the next thing and the next thing and you slowly find that even if you do that for let's say a half hour through a series of things that you do Mm -hmm. you find yourself calming down and just going with the flow then and there so those are some things and then there are so many other practices mindful practices as they are called that you can do you know the simple thing of taking a pause and just taking a couple of good breaths while just following your breath is a good way to just bring yourself back and over a period of time as you practice these things you find yourself being more in tune to the moment and what's happening there so you begin to respond rather than react and like you said, uh, Padmaja, very correctly, uh, rather than relying on uh, you know what they call uh, amygdala hijack or the hypothalamus taking over or our animal or reptilian brain taking over, mm-hmm. we will allow our conscious minds to function a lot better. So,
1: uh, Chitra, if we don our avatar as uh, designers and we go to that uh, place which is the motherload of all information overloads, the repository of all things information, which is the digital information superhighway. As designers, day in and day out, we build uh, websites uh, that populate uh, the information uh, superhighway. Uh, Have you seen a negativity bias manifest on the digital hemisphere? Um, You know, I myself as a designer have seen this, or even, uh, you know, uh, when I look at it from my perspective as a writer, A small typo in a very beautifully written piece throws me off. My opinion of that person just plummets, uh, which it should not because I myself am responsible many times for many typos. Uh, So things like this manifest even in our designs. Can you talk a little bit about this? How negativity bias affects designs and how it creeps into the work we do as
0: designers? Certainly, I'll try my best there. I don't consider myself to be a serious designer in the league of what you are, Padmaja, but I can certainly relate to, Especially with the banking applications that we have, you know, in this race to digitize uh, everything that's going on, uh, what I have found is some of the banking applications, especially banking websites, have just taken paper Forms and put the same onto their websites Mm -hmm. there are several bank portals where one struggles to find where they should even log in it is all over the place and then by the time you find where you're supposed to log in you have this tedious process of password plus triple authentication and then you're changing your password every three months it's tiring, it's exhausting Mm -hmm. so by the time you've logged in and you are actually trying to do something as simple as check your bank statement and i'm not even going to mobile banking we'll probably set that topic aside for another episode by itself those are the points where you feel you feel a failure Correct. you know there are times when i have felt that you know walking into a bank and getting my work done was far easier than sitting in front of my laptop and spending 45 minutes just to log in into the website. Mm-hmm. And that's happened multiple times because there are poorly designed timeout issues. Mm-hmm. There are is poorly designed uh, location of where services are. Mm-hmm. Even navigability, it leaves you just helpless. Mm-hmm. And this is for someone who I would call myself a fairly comfortable person in the digital world. Realm, right? When it comes to using things or figuring things out, mm-hmm. I have seen especially older people yeah. struggle so much. Yes. And in fact, they have a more intimate knowledge about the banking systems and financial systems, which fundamentally haven't changed much in terms of their user and retail processes. Mm-hmm. They are able to ask very clear questions about what they want and what they're looking for but it's so hard to find them Mm -hmm. through an app or a website. Uh, And these are like huge points of frustration. I really feel there is negativity bias out there Mm -hmm. in terms of the fundamental design of the website. And in fact, at this point in time, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. how would designers, and I hope this message actually reaches people who are in the banking sector, Mm -hmm. how would designers take something like that and begin to turn it around?
1: So, Chitra, much of what you say uh, said resonates with me on so many levels. First, as someone uh, who sort of uh, semi caretakes of a uh, couple of senior citizens, I've seen them struggle with uh, banking websites. I've seen them struggle with uh, modern day applications uh, and appliances. And I think you will agree that this world is just not made for people with any kind of disability. Whether, you know, they're senior citizens, whether they have any kind of uh, sensory impairments. Uh, Forget disabilities. I have a son who is left-handed and he cannot cut with most scissors, okay? So, uh, these are things that bias the users and then these lead to... Uh, the plummeting of those all-important customer satisfaction numbers which um, enterprises seem to run by. That is the mantra nowadays, right? Uh, paying attention to customer satisfaction as a key metric. Uh, so, as a product designer myself, uh, one of the things I feel we can do to turn uh, this tide around is to do simple things like following some design standards. Uh, for example, uh, for accessibility, uh, there are so many uh, very important WCAG uh, design standards uh, that people can uh, follow and adhere to. These are simple things like ensuring uh, that you know uh, flows are streamlined, that there are subtitles for videos, um, that any uh, entity that lives on the web adheres to a few simple guidelines that makes the entity or the content or the property uh, accessible to the vast majority of users. I think uh, we can start with that. And the second thing is uh, to remove our own colored glasses and biases as designers. Uh, so I work with uh, you know U- UX designers, I work with graphic designers. Uh, I think the first thing to do as a designer is to uh, shed all uh, preconceived notions uh, when stepping into a new project. For example, uh, you could be catering to a population that is colorblind, which I have spoken of in uh, previous episodes. You could be uh, catering to a population with some specific type of constraint that has come in through because of their environment, because of the tools they are using, or because of their circumstances. So we need to sort of cater to those, know your user and design for that user. And uh, for all the banking uh, software and banking website uh, designers out there, uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, most of you don't seem to be adhering to any of the basic precepts of uh, design and information architecture. Would you agree? I think you would. I,
0: th- I think I do. I very strongly agree. And I think one uh, thing that they can certainly do, and mm-hmm. especially, and there's time, at mm-hmm. least in this country, there's time. Mm-hmm. Today, the average age is about 29 mm-hmm. years old mm-hmm. uh, in the next 30 years o- 30 years all these people are going to be on the other side yes. of 50 mm-hmm. right you are going to have like you said padmaja i wonder right how long will somebody actually i i, I almost dread the day when I have to conduct banking on my phone. Mm-hmm. And my biggest problem there today is when somebody asks me for a customer satisfaction survey or a response on my mobile phone, mm-hmm. half the time my thumb covers three options mm-hmm. <laughs> on a touch screen. So, how does one solve for problems like that? Yeah. And then if you look at uh, apps that especially in the financial space mm-hmm. i don't know why we are repeatedly coming back to that but i suppose they're also the ones that have so many disclaimers Correct. right? and by the time you scroll through all of that and get to really what you want to do and where you want to go it can be quite frustrating so i think we've we've really spent a lot of time on this <laughs> but I, I i think we got our message across yeah
1: There is another aspect I'd like to touch upon before we close, Chitra. Obviously, this is a hugely, uh, you know, it's a huge uh, topic in depth as well as uh, breadth. Uh, But there is one uh, issue about uh, a cultural uh, kind of difference impacting negativity bias. If we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, This uh, struck me when I recently saw a news report about the inauguration of an airport in Shuvamoka. Mm. Uh, in uh, Karnataka and uh, the airport apparently has uh, signs in English and Hindi only. Mm. There is nothing in kannada mm.
0: uh, That's odd given that's that odd, right? uh, this is one of the districts which that we consider inside I mean it's not a very cosmopolitan space. Yeah, it's
1: a heartland district. It's a heartland right? district. So I mean, so when, when things get too centralized and people make assumptions about 1.4 billion people based on what somebody somewhere in maybe Delhi is thinking of, placards get designed in English and Hindi perhaps. What are your thoughts about this, Chitra?
0: I think there's a, there's a large amount of inclusivity that's mm-hmm. needed. Yeah. and i think inclusivity uh, especially in a country like ours ha- mm-hmm. is has to be pretty expansive mm-hmm. and and i think it's it's incumbent on all of us to think about how we are catering to the needs of users it, mm-hmm. it goes back to what you said you know put the user first
1: right
0: who's going to be walking through that airport who's going mm-hmm. to be traveling there mm-hmm. you know how would they find locations? What if people aren't conversant in either language? I I remember this example a few years ago Mm -hmm. when there was a very well established automotive component manufacturing company that came up with this idea of uh, how to enable and empower these small motor vehicle shops which we find sprinkled on our highways. Some of them are trained mechanics. Some of them learn simply by apprenticing with a more seasoned person mm-hmm. and uh, have very little formal education. However, they have an intimate understanding of the process of how to repair as well as how to ask for spare parts, mm-hmm. right? How to place an order. Mm-hmm. So, this company actually created tags which had the components pictures on them mm-hmm. with a the QR code below so all this person had to do was have a scanner which scanned the code and uh, the number of parts that they needed you know could be immediately uploaded onto a central system and dispatched within a very short period of time so that their business wouldn't suffer or they wouldn't have to send customers away to a to a larger service station and so on Beautiful. so like you said, why make assumptions? Uh, why assume that, hey, this is the way? Yeah. Uh, instead of that, I think we do need a lot more inclusive, inclusive. Uh, thinking. And uh, don't come with preconceived, you know, blueprints in your mind, mm-hmm. uh, which I find myself going back to the banking applications have done. Very true. Right? Very true. If you're filling up a form, it's exactly how you would fill it up on paper. I, I suppose they made the assumption that it would be the same. So in some sense, I guess it would be unfair to f- blame them as such. But I think if we just took a step back and like you said, you know, if designers try to understand w- how the digital experience should be for a user, because I think a user should not feel helpless in this day and age. Correct. I mean, digital is all around us. We are living through it, with it, yeah. day by day. It should be as simple as possible. Uh, Another instance that's coming to my mind is I have a child that is applying to universities abroad is, is hitting on this 500 word limit. The way the website has been sectioned is so cumbersome for people actually filling it out. So by the time they actually figure that out, it takes a couple of iterations. So I'd say that I think there are problems, you know, it's simple thing, annoyances as uh, the Norman Nielsen group calls it, the annoyances that we come across and those are the things that stay with us. Just just going back to uh, the start of our conversation on negativity bias and like the example that you also gave, I remember in the newspaper today, one of my favorite columnists and there is an extra preposition in the article today. I actually read that three times and I looked. And I was wondering, is it the editor? Is it the author? But I remember that one thing. In fact, I've forgotten what the article was all about, you know, which is which is actually annoying. There me. you
1: go. That's negativity bias yes. for you. However, I would like to conclude on a positive note. Uh, just hearkening back uh, to the auto mechanics who scanned in spare parts uh, that you mentioned, Chitra, actually being inclusive and uh, accommodative of uh, people's differences, I think um, can lead to a huge range of business uh, ideas and possibilities to actually monetize this inclusivity aspect. Certainly. For example, in the Shimoga airport, uh, I think we can take it for uh, granted that almost everybody who walks in will have a mobile phone. What if uh, we designed a mobile app that could give users uh, directions as to where they're going? if they enabled uh, GPS on their phones in their language, they would yeah. not need the uh, uh, Hindi and English science and they would, uh, there would not be such a bruhaha about it. So I'm sure that's only the tip of the tip of the iceberg. There's a huge number of business possibilities. Uh, can we uh, get an input from you on that, uh, Chitra?
0: Certainly. I think that's that's a fantastic suggestion. Uh, Just the thought itself, I'm sure, will give rise to 100 different ways of, you know, addressing this issue. Uh, And I think as parting shots, and I never (laughs) like to call it so, because I'm already seeing one or two more episodes and I leave people with one of those thoughts. You know, somebody many, many years ago came up with this experiment and called it discovering the moments of truth. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure in a short while from now, we are going to have a conversation about that. And I think that is something that designers can take away. Uh, Yes, I'm keeping in mind the uh, banking application and especially for older people in this country. Mm -hmm. Can you actually do something like a moments of truth exercise? Watch them as they are doing it. You know, this is very much part of uh, user research and usability studies can you watch and can you just discover those moments of truth that will help you simply elevate that design to a very different level that is one thing and the second thing is i think just coming back to what we've already said multiple times in this episode is don't make assumptions mm-hmm. you know don't say that oh this is how i am going to do it and instead of saying i can you know people shift towards how is it that we can make this entire experience you know pleasurable and memorable I think that's a way of yes the the, we understand that we all have this bias inherently but I think these experiences will will sort of uh, shift a lot of things for many people
1: thank you Chitra I think on that note uh, from an I to a V is the call to action here on that note, we will close this episode. And uh, one heartening statistic to close is that most cancer uh, survivors actually survive. So that is the positive note on which we we'll led end this. Thank you so much, Chitra.
0: Thank you, Padmaja. subscribe to the Edge podcast on your favorite podcast channel. We are on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and more. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. If you have stories to share and want to be featured on our podcast, write to us at podcasts at adepticlabs.com.